0: You're listening to Love Your City. It's a Movement Australia podcast. We believe that communities can be transformed as a unified church in every city or town lives and proclaims the gospel into every sphere of society. We'll tell stories from where this is already happening. We'll dig into the Bible to better understand God's heart for cities and towns. And we'll discuss practical strategies. Because no matter where you live, a gospel movement can happen.
1: Dave Mann from New Zealand, great to have you. You're the head of Shining Lights Trust. I'd love to hear a little bit about who Dave Mann is, um, what Shining Lights Trust is, and what's happening across your nation, and then finally, your city. So,
2: Dave, welcome. G'day, Ian. That should only take about two minutes. I'm sure I can summarize all of that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, um, I I live in Tauranga, um, which is a city in the... Um, you know, middle upper part of the North Island, near the beach, it's, it's beautiful. Um, I hail from a small town called Hawara in a province called Taranaki, and uh, my wife's from the same uh, province. Uh, we've got four boys, currently aged um, eight up to 15. Um, I mean, my basic background in terms of things I've done, uh, I came to faith out of a uh, considerably broken home. There's, there's different dynamics of abuse and all sorts of that, it's, it's more than messy. Uh, But my mum came to faith and I knew I needed whatever she had. There was sunshine in her eyes. Uh, I saw it. I was 11 years old when I saw it. And so I put my faith in a God I couldn't see and suddenly had this revelation that I was loved. And it it transformed the way I thought. Uh, And so from about age 14, I've never wanted to do anything except represent the gospel uh, to people uh, around me. So I went from school to Bible college. Um, Dad said, um, when I told him I was going to do that, he said, don't ever come back. He was more more than angry. Um, so I got through there with with no money and scared as anything out of a sort of abused home and with all sorts of anxiety and intimidation things going on inside of me, but just having to trust 100% in God, and then went into faith-based ministry for seven or eight years with no income, um, no unemployment benefit, didn't, didn't take anything, just um, lived the rail sometimes down to riding a motorbike and not having money to put in the tank, and people had no clue you know what was going on, but just community-wide ministry in South Taranaki—it was really uh, a fruitful season. Um, in summary, then felt a very clear call to become a pastor in a church in Singapore, and to, to reveal something of my heart. I had vowed I would never be a pastor because that's betraying the cause. All love to pastors. I've been one for for nine years at that stage, and I, I could be one again if the Lord didn't like me. Um, but my my commitment is to the harvest field, and I I, I just so struggle with the introspective DNA of churches and, and, and where we end up and I just don't want to have to participate with that. I'll help change it and I'll serve. So I've learned how to, to bite my tongue and being a pastor certainly taught me that. Um, the other was I'd vowed to serve New Zealand my whole life. No, I've got no travel bug So uh, I ended up overseas but that was an amazing experience. I had an opportunity in a larger church uh, to have a, a range of responsibilities, including we had more than 40 uh, missionaries sent and funded from the church, so high missional engagement, and by the end of that with my wife, I really thought I'd end up um, probably serving in mission leadership internationally, that would suit my gifts, and she's a nurse, and, and we felt the Lord then turn us to a nation, uh, New Zealand, where we were from, and to to come back, but this time with a view to ministry to the nation as a whole, which no one can ever affirm that, it's just, you know, who do you think you are, kind of thing if you you know say that sort of stuff but so we came back with with no work to join and uh, with no one welcoming us back to start something completely fresh looking to the Lord for provision so that's 12 years ago so about 25 years in the ministry round sort of figures and yeah that's roughly who I am Um, yeah a few hobbies I'm a musician but don't play much I'm into hunting and fishing and love getting out in the green you've founded
1: and you lead shiny Knights trust mm. tell us what that is and what you do across the nation yeah. to fulfill that uh, call
2: yeah so um i mean shiny lights trust these days is defined as a think tank that that tries to identify gaps in the outreaching efforts of the church as a whole uh, to see innovation come to those gaps so that doesn't mean we need to do that innovation we just try to see it come about and my gift shape um fits well into that space so yeah, we've we've innovated numerous things the last twelve years. We run probably about fifteen brands because it's always about information targeted to audience. Uh, we um, uh, that narrowed us down to six key focus areas where we saw significant gaps in the church as a whole, and its outreach. And one of those was the unity space, and the engagement with the city and the engagement with the nation as a whole. And so we then sort of develop. Uh, organic, but quite multifaceted, multimedia approaches to changing thinking, trying to identify in each of these spaces, what's the key thought that you need to try and change nationally to change the way people think, to change the way they behave, to change the outcome. Uh, And so I think you do understand something of the nature of that kind of work. So it's a thankless work because if you're successful, they did it. Mm -hmm. So you, you, you don't never get thanks and recognition for it. But but if you if you study and understand change theory and there's people obviously in politics and all sorts of areas who play these games, it is possible for for large demographics of people to change the way they think. Um, and, and you've just got to hit it. Like I, I talk about the law of the five, where if people can hear the same thing from five separate sources, they go, "Oh, it must be true." You know. So so what's the core idea that needs to shift? So so the unity stuff is one of those um, six core areas that we've honed in on. Uh, We're most well known for national media projects that we do. Uh, One of them is called Hope Project, so we get the gospel to pretty much every home in the country. Um, That involves uh, around Easter, keeping the Christ in Easter, as well as the Christ in Christmas, um, national television on the main programs and all that. Uh, Online strategies, engaging, uh, sort of a couple of million people sort of reach, which is big in New Zealand, and a few hundred thousand will actually engage uh, with the media in some way. Uh, and then we have booklets we've printed eight times now, delivered to homes nationally, and uh, that's volunteer-based delivery in the largest 90 cities and towns, which is a stupid effort from an organizational point of view. But if you understand what I said about who we are, that explains why we do what we do. Uh, you'd pay only another $60,000, would probably see those booklets delivered. Maybe maybe it's another 80,000, would see them delivered without the need for volunteers. The purpose of the volunteers is that it forces churches to work together in a city and town. And when they can't, it highlights that they can't, in which case, well, how do we help this happen? It also raises up leaders capable of leading citywide things because they have to facilitate that amongst the churches. So you've got to actually give enough time to know enough pastors to do it. So it's highly catalytic. It's also really easy to deliver to our city of Tauranga, um, 36,000 homes. If 20 churches help and, you know, 10 to 15 volunteers each, the whole city's delivered. So, so we, through volunteers, create a delivery route maps for all these cities and towns. Um, and where there's relationship amongst churches, it's easy. Where there's not, there's not. And then they are responsible for getting the gospel to most homes in their own city or town every year. And they also do a city-wide pre-walk along every residential street in the city or town and those are two pretty big achievements for a bunch of pastors together but what it gains us which was actually the number one reason for doing it which very few people I think would ever believe us if we said it but that is the truth was to get inside the pastors group because the number one goal was to actually change the way that outreach equipping was being approached and so that goal has now been pretty much achieved Um, and um, I think I've gone from one thing to another, but just to, to explain the thinking and how how, how we operate, uh, evangelism training in New Zealand, only 10 years ago, was a Saturday seminar and it was how to share the gospel. In truth, it was how to share the gospel with a stranger who you accost on the street and even the pastors didn't want to go to those trainings. So that was a complete disconnect. And one of the things I learned when I became a pastor was that the shoes were on the other feet. So I did what every evangelist had ever said to do and it didn't work. So by year number two, I was rethinking and the evangelism training went into the pulpit. And by year three, I realized that that content was a load of baloney. People don't need to know just how to share the gospel. The key hindrance is how do you engage a conversation uh, with someone in which you're fundamentally different to them in your every belief? And how do you get that to be an open, non-threatening two-way conversation? It's conversational skills. And it just happens that Jesus is a good role model for that. So, um, So today in New Zealand, Outreach training is perceived generally as conversational skill training with Jesus as the role model. And instead of being in Saturday seminars in most churches, it would be pulpit and small group based um, uh, as well as in youth groups. So... But that was a, for us, that was intentional, Uh, multiple media stuff on our Christian TV, um, Shine TV, stuff on Rima Media, intentionally talking with pastors groups, the creation of sermon, you know, pulpit resource packages with four-week sermon series and four-week matching small groups to to show churches the type of content they could teach because they had never seen that before, so, so overcome that hurdle. Um, getting that into um, or running conferences ourselves all across the country regionally a number of times now but then trying to get that into other people's conferences uh, until it becomes things that you know some denominations begin to embrace as their own um, so yeah so that's probably about a, a six or eight year time frame to see that those key thoughts turn but that's owned by each person who does it as their own thing. Um, so that's that's so that's that's what we do in six areas and unity, which is supposed to be our topic today.
1: Obviously from Movement Australia, the unity of the church in the cities uh, is the is the cause here. Uh, so how would you describe that across New
2: Zealand? Yeah, we, we, we targeted the largest 70 cities and towns. That's to take every place of 5,000 or more people. And I've intentionally gone out to meet with them since um, 2011, 2012. We've done um, eight national trips, probably the ninth next year. Takes about five months to visit all those groups. And we have private conversations. And what's in those conversations doesn't get discussed outside of them. I, I would say that um, unity 10 years ago was a token. Um, uh It was all about relationship. I say that with a smile, because I'm mocking that. Um, It it starts with relationship. Relationship's the first goal, there's no denying it, but that cannot be the goal. Um, We've got to engage with the city, and it's not us engaging, it's our people. So I think the goal of a pastor's group is to engage with the needs of the city as a representation of Christ and the gospel um, through your people, Um, because the pastors, there's no way they have enough capacity to engage with the needs of the city themselves, not burn out. A quick break to encourage you to check out our website,
0: movement.org.au. This site contains a library of resources, podcasts, videos, blogs, stories from Australia and around the world of City Gospel Movement, people who are on-the-ground practitioners bringing the church together across denominations for the sake of their community. You can search by speaker, author, subject to find exactly what you're looking for. Subscribe with your email address, and we'll connect with you personally to see how we can serve a city gospel movement in your community.
2: To to me, the pivot year in New Zealand was 2017, and it took quite a bit building up to that. It was like the relationship thing was a a sacred cow, Um, but it meant that you talked endlessly, and if you tried to bring an agenda into the room, you were, you were touching a sacred cow and you, you very quickly know it. So we had the excuse to be in the room because the gospel was now going to every home in their city or their town. Um, but the purpose of being in the room was other. And um, yeah, so, so I mean, to, 2017 to me was the pivot year. And I, I sort of coined some phrases then and asked questions, but I'd say coffee unity's purpose is to get pre-unity happening, but pre-unity's purpose is to get functional unity happening. And so there's a progression. So it always starts with relationship. But if we don't have the end goal in mind, then we'll never achieve the end goal because you've started with a different expectation. And now you're trying to bring an agenda into the group that was never there. So, so, so the, the challenge was how do we change or pivot the expectation of what these groups exist for? And I would think that the key question around functional unity is what can we do together that we cannot do apart? And that immediately implies some values, which I think brings security and safety. For example, there's nothing wrong with independence because this is about what we can do together that we can't do apart, yeah. So across New Zealand today, I'd say that unity is, is really shifting. The way that a lot of pastors engaged with pastors groups are thinking about it is really shifting there's an increase in innovation and by creating communication networks amongst the pastors groups, the ideas are able to be seeded from one place to another, which aids their replication. So you're gonna have organizational leaders who start something whose ambition is their thing in multiple cities. But as as the church or as church leaders, capital C, we get the concepts on that, um, we can represent everybody's ministry that's helpful. And so we can work as one team to see these ministries actually raised up in multiple places. So we are seeing that happen. I would think the key deficit that we have came up in that discussion we had a few weeks ago is the, I mean, the idea of staffing hits right at the core of it. I've had people ask me sometimes, what does a pastor do, right? A pastor spends, you know, four hours a week on a Sunday. How do you justify paying a pastor? They're just sitting around drinking coffee the rest of the week. But if you become a pastor in a church, your week's quickly filled up and some. And I would simply say that if we could have people who are deployed to engage on behalf of the gospel with the city, their time would very quickly be filled up and some, very quickly. And the types of opportunities that they would engage with would be disproportionate in their reach and their influence and their significance for the gospel and for the reputation of Jesus. I would also say that branding, if we can we can take offense at that with big churches sometimes, but, but branding is reputation. And branding and reputation, having your story heard is phenomenally important because it's the starting point of the God conversation. So if churches aren't representing to their city and they're just invisible, then then they don't exist. And the start point for the conversation is that the churches are irrelevant. That's the fact before you've even begun. So you're even further down the track wanting to tell someone about Jesus and the hope they choose faith in Christ when they know that you were relevant to the city because you've never turned up or engaged. So I think the price we pay for the perspective deficit on the importance of our unity and how we represent in a city, I think it's a far greater price than we comprehend. But, uh, But because we can't see the vision, we don't understand the importance of it and the need to therefore release people to it. And we've also got to create the culture and the DNA though of what it means to serve the city, because we've all seen lone heroes and pastors groups can become you know, it's like a, a a church, you can become an empire builder in your own church because you've got such ambition to grow your church. And we've got some denominations who do that and others that don't so much anymore here in New Zealand. In the same way, a pastor's group convener can be all for unity, to build their thing and their story, and that's their little empire, and don't you dare touch it. Um, and it's exactly the same DNA replicated, but in the unity space of the city, um, that's so hard to deal with and it just it's so hard to negotiate with and just diplomacy and politeness and, and coffees and you can't, you can't say you can't say things directly. They aren't ready for the conversation. they can't see it. So so there's a there's a but, but at every time that happens it, it, with anyone who can perceive what's happening, it builds a mistrust in the idea that you'd ever release resource to the church. And so you've only ever got denomination and small C congregation. And we can't actually release to that. So so how we do that paradigm shift requires some pioneers who do it well. And then that will create the paradigm that will then be replicated. And then the role, I would say, of church workers who do connect, which is very, very few across the nation, I think they need to tell those stories. Because again, the stories you tell are always building perspective and changing perspective. And so it's something that's going to build very, very slowly from having some first success stories. So... Anyway, that's that, that's that, that's the unity space where I see it. It's, it's vastly improving. I'm highly encouraged. It's a significantly different place to what it was 10 years ago. You know, we have meetings that, that are leveraged. Even, for example, one we only do one meeting a year to coordinate that national volunteer delivery. We do everything with gross efficiency, terrifying efficiency. But that meeting puts pastors in a meeting where they see other pastors group conveners. And meetings we're having recently, don't feel strange because many of them have begun to see each other's face in online meetings. And then if I email all the pastors group conveners in a particular province, I always email them as a group because I want them to know who each other is. And if I was meeting with them, I would intentionally be name dropping to the other people, checking who knows who. And I had one wise guy last year say, can I be your chauffeur? It was the first time that it happened. And I just thought, dude, you were already here. And you are now here in my mind, he, he said, I've got to know the pastors' group conveners of the province.
1: Uh, and just finally, your own city. Tell us, um, what's what's the God space in your city?
2: Our city's on a journey, and it would be in a lull probably at the moment in this space. If we're a city of about 120 churches, our, our central you know, ministers' fraternal pastors' groups always had an air of formality to it. That's become more relaxed, and it's just the pastor's lunch now. And the facilitator of that does a great job just keeping it relaxed. That's about relationship. And if anyone wants to bring something for the city, he just lets them at the stage at that. So that's an open handed, but that group doesn't bring leadership. Uh, Separate to that, we've got what's colloquially just called the the praying pastors. And we meet every Thursday uh, for prayer. And out of that group, you've got people who intentionally engage with council, uh, with Iwi, which is the Māori tribe. So that's quite a big deal in New Zealand. With with education, um, there's some stuff with the business sector. Uh, Also, just generally at different times, looking at the profile of the church. Uh, I'd say in terms of engaging with visibility in the city, a city is blessed if it's got big churches who can do city-level things by themselves. Because that's city-level engagement and representation with no work, because they do it all me by myself, which they should do, because there's nothing wrong with independence in the right space. So, so in terms of our, our visibility in the city, there's some quite good visibility through our bigger churches at times. Then there's things other churches do in unity together, central churches doing a carols by the water with a walk around the churches. We've had a, a thing called the Road to Bethlehem, uh, for example, with a, it's a drama enacted which gets thousands of people. You actually, the last time they did it, you had to book to go through it. Um, so that's quite good. Um, but at the moment, the lull is is probably I think that we're coming up to a generational change and you'll have been through these. I've been through these with lots of pastors groups already in only 12 years doing this. Um, and and I, I think that's really what we're hitting is a generational change. So, I mean, I facilitate another group of pastors. Uh, We're just an outreach and culture discussion group. So it's looking at how do you build outreach and culture through members rather than program-oriented outreach and strengthen that and strengthen small group and so on for for outreach in the community and and workplaces. I mean, that, that again is a group of probably about eight younger pastors, some of them with, you know, some pretty healthy going ahead churches here. And that's not claiming to be a unity platform, but by default, it is, which is a long way of saying that at the moment we don't have a centralised leadership or, or or pastors group where everything's happening. But at the same time, if I had to be asked, is the church in unity? I would say that the church is because we don't have relational disunity, and we don't also we don't have mistrust. And, and I would say the measure of unity is can we work together when it counts as well? Or a measure of unity, and the churches of our city still can work together when it counts, like Hope Project. Delivery, I, I coordinate nationally, but I coordinate our city. Got to do it where you are. But again, like I mentioned earlier, just call up 20 pastors. I think I had one decline because he he just couldn't. Um, there were two with pastor changes that changed. But know, the city was done easily. They see the city, they're willing to serve it. We just don't have a rallying point at the moment in the city. So I, I think that's important too. Like I defended unity in a meeting recently where someone had moved to the city and just felt so disappointed at how churches work together. But I was just, actually, I don't think it is that because people still have coffee with each other. There's still the relationship and we can work together, but a you know, united approach is currently in a lull. And that has to wait for the right person. I don't feel to stand into that gap at the moment myself. So I just let it sit there as a gap, even though I see it and others are doing the same. But... Yeah, that would be our city. That's a The Church of Taurama, it's a great place to be. And there's a number of national ministries out of the city. Uh, there's some amazing stuff in the schools out of the city, some amazing community engagement, which is multiple churches together. We've got a, a pregnancy choice thing, giving women different options with their pregnancies, which again is a collaboration between churches facilitated by, by business people. Uh, I think we've got five or six Bible colleges in our city, which is highly disproportionate for the size of New Zealand. Um, so, yeah, blessed to be a part of the church here. And Dave Mann, thank you very much for your
1: time and for your thoughts. Uh, very stimulating and inspiring. And uh, I can see that's who you are. And may God bless you and your efforts across your beautiful nation.
2: Fantastic. Thank you very much, Ian.